0: Hey, podcast friends, this is Canon Dan Alger, Canon for Church Planting for the Anglican Church in North America. Sorry that we have been away for a while here on the Always Forward podcast. It's been a busy season for Sean McCain and I as uh, we're both planting churches, Uh, me outside of Atlanta, Sean down in Austin, Texas, and we've been loving our families and we're both pursuing doctorates and there's just been a lot going on over the course of the last few months. But we love what we do here on the podcast and so we're eager to get back into the swing of things. And so Sean and I will be recording new episodes beginning in October, in just a few weeks. So to tide you over until then, over the next few weeks, we'll be releasing the teachings from the 2018 Always Forward Church Planting Conference that we held in August in Denver, Colorado at Wellspring Church. You'll you hear some good content, some, um, some rich teaching from a number of leaders within our movement. And so we hope it will be helpful to you and encouraging to you, and we do look forward to bringing you new content uh, extremely soon. So we pray for you often. We love you, Church Planters, and we look forward to being back with you. This is truly one of my favorite weeks of the year, and I'll tell you why. Um, I just love being with all of you, and I love you being with all of you. Uh, I love that I get to travel around our province quite a bit and see what is happening in, in a lot of different dioceses and local churches and, and the, the stories and the people who are planting are just amazing. Um, but one of the things that, that, that easily happens in the world of church planting is that we can be, if we can feel isolated and we can feel alone. Because uh, even within our own diocese, sometimes we feel like we can, uh, we can feel a little bit out of place as a church planter. And when you gather in this room, you're in a room full of people who are planting churches. You're in the room, a room full of people who know your joys and your sadness, who knows your excitement and your, uh, and your Monday mornings after only 12 people showed up the day before. They know what that's like, and you're with them in here. Uh, I think the greatest thing that I heard after we did this conference here a couple years ago uh, when we were talking with, with folks and saying, hey, how, how was your time? Uh, at, at this conference. And one of the people said, those are my people. I was with my people. And I just pray that when you leave this place, that that's your sense and understanding, that these are your people and that you're not alone. You're going to hear me say that 10 times over the course of this, this, these next couple of days. Uh, and if you've heard me speak before, you've heard me say it before. But if you don't hear anything else that we say over the course of the next few days, if you don't learn anything in any of your tracks, what I hope you leave with when you leave this place is a, is a, a conviction that you are not alone in the work of church planting. So let's, uh, let's get into it. I want to start tonight by talking a little bit about, um, about the influence of our Anglican tradition on the work of church planting. Um, because church planting is a, is a unique ministry, a very specialized ministry uh, that takes a, a particular set of skills, right, uh, to, do, to do this work. But then Anglicanism is a particular expression of the Christian church with its... With its own specialized and unique practices and ethos and charisms. And so when these two things come together, you have a very small niche ministry that is Anglican church planting, planting in a liturgical, sacramental, hierarchical, historical tradition. We have a hard enough time figuring out who we are ourselves, much less trying to plant a church and bring other people to it. What is an Anglican? That's a conference in itself, right? Um, uh, How do you answer that question? What is Anglicanism? Well, I'm going to attempt slightly to answer that a little bit uh, tonight and then encourage you to take up that conversation more uh, in the extracurricular activities afterwards. But what what I want to talk about some tonight is... What is some of the foundation, some of the core uh, aspects of what it means to be an Anglican church planner? Now, there are some folks here from other traditions as well, um, but but uh, and so for our Lutheran friends that are here, just substitute Lutheran in where I say Anglican, and you'll be fine. Um, if uh, if you're Baptist here. Uh, we're going to have to have further conversations to explain what it is I'm talking about, but we love you too, and we're glad that you're here with us uh, as well. Um, so w- when I say I want to talk to us about Anglican church planting, what it means to be planting as an Anglican, um, it, first of all, it's okay to say that, all right? Because here's what I mean. We, we, are, we are primarily, first and foremost, absolutely, we are first Christians, Right? We are followers of Christ. That's what we are. we are. We are people who have been saved by the blood of Jesus, have, have been granted victory through his resurrection, and we are a part of his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. That's what we are first and foremost. But we are also part of a particular family within, that, uh, within the Christian church. And so it's okay for us to say, we're planting not only churches, but we're planting Anglican churches. And that that brings a particular perspective to, to the expression of the Christian faith. And so we don't need to be ashamed of that. And we don't need to think that that's somehow exclusive. It means that that's what we're called to. That if we get to support people in other traditions, awesome. We'd love to do that. And we'd love to see if they're preaching the gospel and they are leading people to Jesus and they're making disciples, we are for them, right? And that's great. But we are here at an Anglican conference. So we get to talk about... What does it mean for us to be called to our specific tradition? This is a, it's a crucial topic for us, our understanding of Anglicanism, because when we say Anglicanism, it encompasses our perspective on a lot of things. And primarily, I think it encompasses our ecclesiology, our understanding of what the church is, and out of that, um, what the church does. And so when we come, when we start to come to grips with the foundation of the fact that we're planting not only churches, but Anglican churches, it affects what success looks like for us. It it, it affects what kind of disciples we're trying to make and the methods that we use to do that. What is is the preferred future for our plants? How do we engage with other planters? I mean, it affects so much of what we do that our identity is, is Anglican. So... Let's, let's look at some of the aspects that our Anglican identity um, impacts our church planting. And I'm not trying to be polemical here, and I'm not trying to say we, we're better uh, than anyone else, but there is a difference sometimes that we need to define and clarify, and that's, that is okay. The other thing I would mention is that, as I said before, we, have, we, we struggle sometimes just to um, define ourselves, and that's one of the beauties of what Anglicanism is, is that, is that we are a broad tradition, and so there are people in here who are much more in the charismatic side of things, and there are people in here who are much more in the Anglo-Catholic side of things, and there are people who are in the evangelical side of things, and then there's Stuart. We don't know, Stuart, we don't know what you are, man, um, and uh, you're just sort of all in everywhere, um, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and they're all in this room together, right, and so... So some of you are going to jive with more, of the, with, with more of the liturgical, sacramental side of things. Some more when we're focusing on the word. And that's part of the beauty of what Anglicanism is, is when we get to bring all of these different multi-sided, um, it's like a multi-sided jewel, right? That, it, that there's a lot of different faces that bring a different reflection of the church and the gospel, all right? So let's look at some of these, uh, at some of these things together. First of all, I'd say this, as Anglicans, our missiology is determined by our ecclesiology. Our missiology is determined by our ecclesiology. And this is, this is a soapbox for me, so maybe you've heard me on it before, um, but I believe it f- uh, fully and completely. And what I mean by that is, is that a, a full understanding or a deep understanding of who the church is um, naturally leads us to a place of mission that if we if we look at it the opposite way which some popular missiologists like to do they want to come from the opposite direction and say that our missiology determines our ecclesiology i think that's extremely dangerous because what happens then is if we look into our missiology first then we start to say all right what are we trying to accomplish and then we say, so, so what do we have to make the church into to accomplish what we think we need to accomplish? And so the church simply becomes a tool for the work of mission. And I don't read that in the scripture. I see God building his church and that as he builds his church, the natural impulse of the church is to be on mission and that a strong ecclesiology leads us to faithful mission rather than just entrepreneurial ministry. And I think there's a difference. I think as Anglicans that our ecclesiology determines our missiology. As Anglicans, we believe primarily that Scripture is what shapes our truth and shapes our methods and shapes who we are. But we also value extremely highly the fact that we are not the first Christians that have ever lived. And so we think that the people who have done this great work before us should have a say in what we're doing now. And it's very presumptuous of us, actually, to go, well, they didn't understand, it was a completely different culture, we just need our Bible, and then we can look into our Bible, we can interpret our Bible, and we can bring it into mission, into the world. No, I want the people who have been doing this for 2,000 years before me to speak into my work of local planting. I'm not smart enough, good enough, uh, spiritual enough, humble enough to do this on my own. I want to recognize that I'm simply a part of a great cloud of witnesses and that we plant along with those witnesses. When we plant, it's not just an individual engagement for us, but that we recognize we're a part of of a great tradition and a long line of martyrs and of saints who are now enjoying the fruit of the gospel with Jesus himself, but that we are not separate from them. We are a part of their work and what they're doing. That's part of our understanding and our ecclesiology that informs our missiology. And that brings about a different perspective on church planting than if, if you were to plant without that context. As Anglicans, Our ecclesiology determines our missiology. So then the question that that, that begs then is, well, how do we as Anglicans define church, right? If our ecclesiology, our understanding of the church, affects our understanding of mission, then what is our understanding of church? Well, how do we define it? We believe the creed that says we're one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. We, We hold Firmly to the quadrilateral that talks about the, the, the word of God being the Old Testament and the New Testament. We believe in the historic episcopacy locally adapted. We, we, we believe in the creeds. We believe in the sacrament of baptism and Holy Communion. Our 39 articles state it this way, the visible church of Christ is a congregation of faithful men, people, in which the pure word of God is preached, and the sacraments be duly administered according to Christ's ordinance, in all those things that of necessity are requisite to the same. The pure word of God is preached, the sacraments are duly administered what else? What else informs our understanding of the church? What else informs our ecclesiology? I mean, it's, it's easy to look at that and go, I didn't hear anything about mission in there. I, pure word of God preached, sacraments, m- mission. Now, I think the reason that mission is not in there is because none of the other things make sense if mission is not firmly built into it. Why are you doing the preaching of the gospel if it's not for the work of mission? You can't read the scripture and see it any other way, that always the word of God is going out to the people who don't know him um, and, and, and building up the people who do know him so that they can go out and spread his glory and spread his gospel. You, it, it makes no sense to have a church that is where the pure word of God is preached and the sacraments are duly administered if there is no mission. That's not the pure word of God that's being preached. And it's not the sacraments that are being administered. Because the word and the sacrament are missional by their very nature. And so we look into the scripture and we see what the church does, our understanding of the church, looking in places like Acts chapter 2. And what we see in Acts chapter 2 is that the church being itself is the church on mission right? The church, what did they do? They devoted themselves to the, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. They were together. They were doing what the church was supposed to do. They were being who the church was supposed to be, and thousands were added to their number. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Our understanding of the church is robust, and it's deep, and it's important, and it's not just a tool for mission, and it's not just a suggested gathering for Christians. The church is God's engine, and and the method that he has chosen to proclaim his gospel. It's always through the church. We were studying this morning uh, in in our national team meeting, we were looking at Acts chapter 13, and this is the sending of Paul and Barnabas, and when you see what happens there, it says that there were teachers gathered together and prophets, and they were, they were gathered together in Antioch. And it says that the Holy Spirit told the church to set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that God had them to do. So the, the church came together, fasted, prayed, laid hands on them, and sent them out. What I want you to see in that is that it was the Lord who had the mission. It was the Lord who set them apart, but he didn't just go directly to Paul and Barnabas and say, leave. He went to the church, and he said, set them aside for the work that I'm giving them to do, and you send them out. That's ecclesiology leading to a proper missiology. And so I say you as church planters must be sent by the church. You're not just entrepreneurs. You're not just renegades and rebels out there doing it on your own, but that you are members of the one holy Catholic apostolic church whom God has said to the church, set them apart for the work that I have called them to do, and that the church's responsibility is to fast and pray, and if it is good to the Holy Spirit and to them, to lay hands on you and to send you out, but never to do this on your own. God says things like this to his church and to his disciples. Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons proclaim and do these acts of power. He says in Ephesians chapter three, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Do you understand what's happening here? This is more than just church planting. We're trying to start a new church so that we get a solid paycheck and have a good number of people in seats on a Sunday and that our diocese grow and that we have have somehow expanded our empire. That what is happening here is that the gospel through the church is being proclaimed here in this earthly place where we live. But to the very heavenly realms that the glory of God is being shown through the mission work of the church. That's what's happening in the midst of church planting. It's so much bigger than, I know we came here going, I need to know when I'm supposed to have a vestry and and should I put a mission statement together and a vision statement or a mission and values and vision and how does that go together? But listen, before you get to that, those things aren't bad, but before you get to that, recognize what you are a part of. You are a part of the church who has been sent to proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth and beyond the ends of the earth and to the heavenly realms itself. That is what you're partaking in in church planting, nothing less. As Anglicans, our missiology is determined by our ecclesiology. Now, some things in our ecclesiology get even more specific. There are things that we hold dear, like our polity. I love, I love this in the, prefer, the preface to the ordinal in the ACNA liturgy. It says this. I don't know who wrote this, but it's uh, but it's good. It says, "It is clearly evident to anyone who diligently reads both the Holy Scriptures and ancient authors." that from the apostles' time, these three orders of ministry have existed in Christ's church, bishops, priests, and deacons. I just love the way that's written. It's like, it's clearly evident for anyone who really reads this, right? Um, I mean, there are some people who would disagree with that, but they're not at this conference. Um, so, so, uh, so, So our polity is part of what we hold dear. Think about it, friends, of what this provides for us in the work of church planting. We have bishops, who help to give us oversight, who help to care for us, who are our apostolic examples in this, right, who, are, who should be breaking new ground for us to be able to go out and do this work, to give us coverage, to provide for us. They carry a big shepherd stick because they are our shepherd to lead us to places of flourishing in our ministry. What a gift from God bishops are if bishops are doing what bishops are supposed to be doing. Amen? priests we have people who are set apart for the work of the church to be able to lead that local flock to be able to preach the gospel to be able to celebrate the sacraments we have been given these these people as gifts to the church to lead under the bishop and lead those local congregations and plant churches and we have deacons who are their job is to serve what a blessing that's what they do they're servants Yes, once a deacon, always a deacon, we're always supposed to serve. Yes, but they, that is their role. That is, Let's just get everything else out of the way so that they can serve. That is an engine for church planting, if I've ever heard it. Oversight and accountability and encouragement and, uh, and, uh, and discipline when we need it, praise God. And then, uh, and then priests who are empowered to do that work and deacons who are, who are serving the people It is clearly evident to anyone who reads the Scripture that that we've been given bishops, priests, and deacons, and I believe we've been given bishops, priests, and deacons for the work of mission because that's what the church is supposed to be doing. Also, a part of our ecclesiology is our understanding of the liturgy, our method of worship, uh, one of our primary forms of catechism. We're a prayer book church not simply as a form of worship, but as a standard for what it is that that we believe and what it is that, that that we do, and what a beauty our liturgy is. Because liturgy, in the work of church planting and mission, liturgy is both empowering and it's intentionally constraining. And let me explain what I mean by that. It's empowering because it's not all up to you. Because each week you don't have to go, how do, I, how do I create a service this week? Like, what creative thing do I need to do this week to, to amp up the people um, and to top what we did last year? You know, I mean, last year we brought a tank into the church. And then I'm not, like, I don't know what else we can do this year. It's not, it's not all on you to create an experience the, the liturgy is empowering because it says, listen, here's the words of the scripture made accessible for your people so they can all use them for worship. What better way to have an awe-inspiring worship service than to use the very words of God in our worship? Amen. That's what the liturgy is empowering for us in that way. It's also intentionally constraining because it doesn't leave it all up to your innovation. Because when you say, hey, I think we should do this, sometimes the liturgy goes, eh not a good idea. Don't do that, right? Um, and because usually those things that the liturgy in its form goes, uh-uh, those are the things that a year later we go, we really shouldn't have done that, <laughs> right? I mean, the liturgy is here to be able to say, listen, don't out-innovate yourself, okay? You don't have to, because sometimes you're going you're gonna to be so innovative that you're going to innovate into unfaithfulness. And the liturgy just says, listen, this is the sweet spot. Just stay here. Just stay here. This is where God wants you to be. Just stay here. And it's a beautiful, wonderful gift, empowering and constraining purposefully. Because look, you're church planters. You want to do everything with a little bit of change, right? I mean, we just want to tweak everything a little bit to make it a little bit better. Sometimes we don't need to. Sometimes we have the word of God and we make that central. And that's what the liturgy keeps in front of us all the time. The liturgy itself is missional. I mean, when you look at the flow of the, of the liturgy, right, that, that we gather in together as the people of God, that we, uh, that we hear the word of God proclaimed, and then we have the opportunity to respond to the word of God proclaimed through our confession and our prayers and our, and our, and our receiving of absolution. It's a living out of the gospel in that way. And then we do our weekly altar call, right? Yes, Baptists, we do an altar call every single week in our liturgical church, and it's called the Eucharist, because by faith, it says, come just as you are, right? Come and come here by the faith, by your faith in Jesus Christ that has made you clean. You have been brought into the people of God to share at his family table that is a foretaste of what you are going to experience for all of eternity on that day when you come face to face with the Lord. That come for and the only way you can do that is through faith in Jesus Christ. You, you do not deserve this meal. You do not deserve. We, we are not asking you to come into our church because of how pretty you are, and how smart you are, and how funny you are. No, you are brought into the church only by the grace of Jesus Christ, and you see it every day, every Sunday, in the Word visible, in the sacrament. Our liturgy, in itself. Is missional. We're gathered. We hear the word. We respond to the word. We're brought forward to come to the table in communion. And then we are sent out. Send us out to do the work you have given us to do. To love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Right To, to, to take what we have here and be sent out. And you're sent out and then the church blesses you. And you're sent out with the benediction, a blessing upon your work of ministry for that week. And then there's, then there's the recessional, right? And the recessional is not just to try to get the priest in the back so he can shake everybody's hand before they leave. That's not why that's there. That is there as symbolically the church itself going out the door in the work of mission. The liturgy preaches the gospel and teaches our ecclesiology and teaches us missiology every single week. As Anglican church planters, our ecclesiology determines our missiology. As Anglican church planters, our work stems from submission. This is big for us in the church planting world because we're risk takers. That's what we are. We're church planters, right? Anybody that's like... Yeah, I think I want to start one of these things from scratch, without any money, without knowing anything about what I'm supposed to do, and put my family and my wife and my children and everyone at risk. This is a fantastic idea. Um, There's a certain amount of crazy that goes into church planting, right? But our planting work has to come from submission. It doesn't come by us saying, because I know that I can do this better. It doesn't come by, if I plant this church, I can write that book that I want to write, right? It doesn't come from us trying to be a, a superstar celebrity pastor um, or, um, or a, uh, uh, a well-known entrepreneur. That's not where we come from within Anglicanism when we start churches. If you want a mega church and a book deal, don't plant an Anglican church. <laughs> That's not... Our starting position. Do you know where our starting position is? Here at the cross. And if you're sent out as an ordained person, you know where your starting position is? Laying flat on the ground in front of the cross with your bishop here as well. We start from a place of submission when we go to plant churches. Not, yes, I can do this. But to say, Lord, is this what you're calling me to? And bishop, is this what you want from me? And when we come in that in that place, it must check our ego at the door. Because listen, church planters, we're rebels and pirates and prophets. And and, and they're wonderful traits. But they but they also lead to particular sins of pride and ambition and greed and lack of accountability. I once attended a church planter conference, and they started this, uh, this teaching by saying this. When you are a church planter, you are first and foremost an entrepreneur and secondly a pastor. And it took all that was in me not to stand up and say, I categorically disagree with you. I'm a priest in God's one holy Catholic apostolic church who happens to be called to the work of church planting, which is an entrepreneurial ministry. But if you'll notice, entrepreneur was, was about three sentences into that description. Not first. We start from a place of submission, laying in front of the cross. Our church planting within Anglicanism takes some of its learning from monasticism in our monastic heritage that is ministry over the long haul in the same place. It's hard. See, friends, if you, when you want to get into the work of church planting, you want to learn more about this. There's a 1,000 books you can read But most of them do not come from the same perspective that we do on so many things, especially our ecclesiology. And it's hard to figure out some of the things of what they're saying and their methods that they're putting out there, and then and then bring that into our Anglican tradition or our Anglican ways of doing things. Um, and, and it's just hard to, to translate those things. And so, the the wisdom that is taught oftentimes within church planting is this understanding of launching large, right? And if and it works for some people, and fantastic if it does. But you read Nelson Searcy's book Launch. It's got those weird plastic chairs on the front of your church planter. You probably have it on your shelf somewhere, right? Um, and then start to read it, and he says things in there like, like yeah, what would you want to do is have some preview services, and hopefully you'll have like 300 people or so at your preview services, and then that's going to shrink down maybe a little bit to 200 or so, and then you've really got a good core group to get this thing moving. You know, and we Anglicans, we're going... Dude, that's a mega church. Like, we've got 200 people. here. <laughs> we, we are coasting at that point, you know? Um, we're like, we got to start planning churches. There's too many people in here. Get them out, right? You know how, many, how much communion bread do you have to make every week? This is, this is just logistically not possible, right? I mean, we read that stuff, and, and then we start to, and we do Anglican church planning, and we go, it's not going this fast. It's not going, <laughs> it's not going fast enough. Like, what am I doing wrong? Friends, church planting in the Anglican tradition is so countercultural to the dominant culture of, of our Western culture, period. But then even within the church as well, it's not usually going to go that fast. Now, if the Lord wants to add to your number daily those who are being saved, and it's in the thousands, I will rejoice with you. And I will give you my canon job and you can take it and teach everybody else how to do that. But my experience, friends, is that Anglicanism is a long obedience in the same direction when it comes to church planting. Because we are both, we are not primarily planters. We are planters and priests at the same time. And so we're not just gathering a crowd for the sake of gathering a crowd. We are building the church and that takes longer. And I'm not talking bad about Nelson Searcy. And honestly, read his book. Learn some stuff from it. It's great. And people have come to know Christ through it. Fantastic. But it doesn't mesh well with, with who we are and what it is that we do, oftentimes. It is, our methods are different because how we're pursuing things are, is different. Our ecclesiology is different. But I think there's value because there's depth and there's beauty and it's something that I believe will be lasting the fads are going to come and go. The, the, the newest megachurch is going to come and go. But what we have in the liturgy is thousands of years old. What our understanding of the church is thousands of years old, and it's lasting. Anglican church planting must be engaged through the, pursu- through the pursuit of personal and corporate holiness. I've been to so many different church planning classes and, and, and conferences and, and read the books and holiness does not come up very often. Strategy does. Methodology does. Right. How are we going to get the butts in the seats? That, that, that comes up a lot. How are you going to fund it? How do you raise money? How, the, the mechanics, the nuts and the bolts, that comes up a lot. but not. And they'll talk about self-care some. That's important. Self-care is important. But to say, listen, before we can even talk about those things, we have to talk about personal holiness. And we have to talk about corporate holiness. That we have to answer the question honestly when we start the work of church planting in the Anglican tradition and say, would you rather have a large church or a holy church? And if your answer is large, stop planting churches. We don't need more large unholy churches. We need churches who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We need disciples who are longing for the holiness that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in church planting, there's oftentimes a, co- a, a competitive culture that, we, that we're either comparing ourselves to others or we have contempt for the way that someone else is, is planting their stupid church over there, right? There's this, 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 this competition that comes, and we have to be outside of that. When we enter into this in the Anglican tradition, we have to not compare ourselves to mega churches and to other traditions, and we bless them, but that's not who we are, and we have to be beyond that. We have to focus on this stems from holiness of heart and life and that what we are creating through the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit is a holy people. A holy people. And if you are in this for anything other than that, repent, put your planting on hold and let's do some soul searching and some coaching before you go back out there. This has to come through the pursuit of holiness. And that means that it's not just the results that matter. There are so many there are so many people who planted churches within the last 15 to 20 years who are now falling very publicly because their plants were, were meteoric, right? I mean, it just, it just they grew and they grew for a long time and people celebrated them because of, look at how big this is and look who they're reaching and the type of people, this must be great, and they were on glossy magazines, but underneath it was hollow and, and things and sin had to be covered up to keep the momentum going. And it's not just, we're not just talking about hip, trendy pastors. We're talking about Catholic dioceses in Pennsylvania, right? This has to come from a place, church planting has to come from a place of the pursuit of holiness before it's anything about strategy nuts and bolts and fundraising, and Anglicanism in our tradition says we are people who pursue holiness in our rhythms of life, in our, in, our, in our participation in the sacraments, in our system of governance, in everything. Anglican church planning is worship-centric. We are. Worship is at the center of who we are. And worship is not just a tool to try to get other people to come to know Jesus. It is at the center, it is in the worshiping community that we have the uh, the most significant evangelistic moment when you see a group of people who are worshiping something other than themselves in deep community with one another, that when the person comes in the door visiting your friend that you've brought with you, that our response is not to look at them and go, hey, this is all about you. We want you to feel as comfortable as you can possibly be. I'm glad you've come in here because this is about you. You settle in here, and we're not going to make you feel uncomfortable in any way. No, what they come in and experience in our Anglican churches should be, this is not about you. Granted, we're glad you're here, but this is about God. And we want you to meet him. Or else we're doing a disservice for you if, we think, if you think that we're here to make everything perfect for you. The only way that that happens is for you to come to know the crucified and risen Christ. Right? There's a, there's a, we are in our pursuit of personal and corporate holiness, we're also worshiping the one who is truly holy, and we're bringing people through evangelism to him, not, not just to a social club, to an experience of the holiness of God, to learn how to, to reject the idols that they've been worshiping and worship the one true God. Anglican church planting is focused on word, and sacrament word and sacrament there's a preaching is of prime importance within anglican church planting do it and do it well don't hide behind the liturgy in that okay yes the liturgy preaches the gospel absolutely it does but it must come from your mouth as you exposit the scripture you must preach the gospel. The pure word of God is preached is one of the only two things that we're asking for from our churches. Okay? You must preach and you must preach well. And you can't fall into these things of well, we don't really do a sermon. Everybody just kind of chats about, no, you take the office that you've been given when you were ordained and a Bible was slapped on your head and you take it and you bring the word of God to those people. You open the word to them and you invite them to participate in the visible word of the sacrament. Our understanding of the sacrament, the incarnational aspect of the sacrament, the mystery of the sacrament, the eminent presence of God within the sacrament is, uh, is of vital importance and extreme influence on everything that we do as church planters. What do we want? What is our longing for people who are lost to come to know Jesus, to repent, to be baptized, to enter into the church and share at his family table. Our understanding of evangelism and our our purpose for evangelism is sacramental. You enter into the family through the washing of your sins in baptism, and you sit at the family table with us. And we want people to know when they come and they're not yet baptized and they're not yet believed and they don't yet believe, we fence the table, right? And we go, yes, you can be here, but you can't come here. Not yet. Because you don't belong to Jesus yet. And so you don't get to sit at his family table yet until you're part of the family. But we long for you to be a part of the family. The only reason you're not a part of the family is because you've made that decision to not do that yet. But we this is not an exclusive table that's keeping you away. This is a table that is open for you, but you must repent, believe, be baptized, then come sit at this table. And it would be an injustice for us to make you feel like you are a part of everything when you have not repented and believed. That's a sacramental understanding of evangelism and the gospel. Word and sacrament. Anglican church planting is not meant to be pursued alone. You're not supposed to be a rogue planter. Not within Anglicanism you're not. You're supposed to have a bishop, you're supposed to be a part of a diocese. And listen, I know what that's like. I know you're like really? do I have to be? Yeah, yes you do. I know that sometimes you're like, but it just gets in the way and they don't really understand me and honestly, I think they're kind of angry with me that I'm planting because I'm within like 25 miles of their church and they got mad because I planted my church because some of the people who could possibly drive 45 minutes to their church might actually come to my church instead and so they've been angry with me, right? You know what it's like life in a diocese. People are like, I can't laugh at that because my bishop's in here, right? But that's the truth, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the struggles that we go through sometimes in our diocese. Foley and I have, he has seen my face turn red uh, of, with anger at some of the bureaucratic processes that we have to go through within the diocese. And he's like, it's okay, Dan, just calm down, right? Like, it'll be, it'll, be, it'll be all right. But we have to maintain, we have to be a part of our diocese because as we're a part of our diocese as church planters, that's where others who might not have that missional fervor can catch it from us, right, where churches that need to be revitalized, where are their leaders going to come from? Well, we're going to plant churches that are going to raise up leaders that are going to go into these dioceses, and there are next priests, and there are next deacons, and there are next bishops who are going to come from our church planting work. We are meant to do this together as a part of a greater whole, as a part of a diocese, and as a part of a province, and as a part of a greater global Anglican movement. And even beyond that, as a part of the move of Christ in the world. But you should never, if you find yourself completely isolated and alone, talk to me. Because that's never where you should be. And our systems within Anglicanism are supposed to Never allow that to happen to you. So let me let me leave it with this. I'm going to stop there. We could, we could keep going as to all the things that, that Anglican church planting is I just want you to see some of these things that, that, are, that are ethos, our are ecclesiology, our um, practices, our sacramentology, how they affect our methodology of the work of planting. It affects how we do things and what we're trying to plant. So sometimes people have problems if they, they, they've been in a different tradition and then they go, I've started to get into Anglicanism, like we're putting candles on the table, right like we have communion um and we do that like like once a week and uh and we put some candles up and so i think i want to plant an anglican church anglicanism is more than a style of worship and when you're planting a church you're not planting a worship service you're planting a church Right? And so all of the things, all of the accoutrements, all of the stuff that we have as Anglicans are here to teach us the gospel and disciple us. Right? That's why this table is so beautiful. Because what happens here, not because it's really kind of neat and cool what we do on a Sunday. No, because what we see here is Jesus saying, my body was broken for you. My blood was poured out for you. And the gospel actualizes the sacrament. And it's somehow mixed with our faith in this great mystery where we are in the presence of Jesus himself as the people of God. Right? That's, there's this amazing moment in the sacrament where that mystery takes place. And we're just there in awe and wonder. That's more than just putting candles on a table. There's something much, much deeper than that. And our understanding of who we are as Anglicans affects how we do the work of planting. So what does all that mean? Well, I don't have the answers of how we do all that. None of us do. I think, friends, that we we have to recognize the historic moment that we are in right now. Okay, I know you're, you're caught up right now in your local work, and that is dominating your life. And you've come here for us to answer all of your questions. Um, and I'm sure Sean can do that after, the, after this time. He can answer all of your questions. But, but what I really want you to see is, is just zoom out from your local work from a moment, uh, for a moment and see the historic moment that we're in. We have, through all the realignment stuff that we we have been a part of and that we are in now globally, we are in a moment of mission, uh, in a moment of regaining our Anglican heritage that is a gospel, word, and sacrament missional heritage. We are at a moment where we can grab this and that we can move forward in the work of mission unfettered in a way that we have not been able to for decades and decades and decades and decades now is our moment in all of this that we just talked about that anglicanism has uh, as as part of its core identity all of these things position us uniquely to be able to reach into this culture that is searching so deeply right now Anglicanism is poised with its, with its celebration of mystery, with its focus on, on community, with its, with its clarity on its historic roots, with its denial of, listen, we're not cool and trendy. Like, and I don't think the world is looking for cool and trendy because there's plenty of that out there. And they come into us and we go, yeah, we're not cool and trendy, that's new who we are. We're actually really ancient and old, and there's a truth that goes well beyond any of this fluffy stuff that exists right now in our culture. We are positioned to reach the lost and disciple people in amazing and profound ways right now. But we haven't done this for a while, and we have a lot of learning to do. And so that's part of who we are. What you are a part of here, what Always Forward is, is simply a name that is on the church planting work of the province of the Anglican Church in North America. Always Forward is not not a them or an us it's uh, You are always forward. We are always forward because we're learning this together. How does this work? What are the methods that, that we must adopt? What are best practices? What, how do we let our ecclesiology inform our missiology? How do we do that well? How do we do it effectively? We're learning so much. How do we be a diocese that is not what dioceses typically are? turned inward, bureaucratic, um, and squelch mission and are an obstacle to mission. And so the church planters have to go, I gotta find another way to plant. And so they leave to go set something else up off the outside to go plant because they can't plant through their diocese. Let's look at dioceses and say, no, if this is what we believe the Lord is calling us to do, then how do we make missional church planting dioceses where church planting flourishes because of the diocese, not in spite of it? And we have to learn that. And it's going to take some prophetic words, and it's going to take some conflict, and it's going to take some trial and error, and it's going to take all kinds of effort. But friends, this is the moment that we are in. This is the moment that we've been called to plant a church in the Anglican tradition. I don't know why. We don't get to choose the times that we're in. I'm not going to Gandalf on you there, right? That uh, we don't, I don't, this is the time that we've been called to help learn these things and teach those who are coming after us so that somebody 30 years from now, and none of us are in this room, um, that uh, there's some 25-year-old guy like, well, I'm going to be, okay. When you are in the room giving this talk, um, that, that you can say, here's what we've learned in doing this for 30 years. And right now, we're building that foundation and we're learning and we're growing. So here's what I would challenge you with these few days, press into this community. These are your people, right? This is, that dream the same dreams you do, that think about these things the same way that you think about them. And it's okay to kind of like, to kind of sort of drool over them and go, really? Will you be my friend? Um, that's okay. Everybody's in here in the same place in that. Press into relationships, be intentional about that, learn in your tracks. But know that your tracks are not gonna give you an exhaustive list of answers, because we don't have them. But we're learning together. And friends, I believe fully and completely that God is on the move in our Anglican tradition. I believe that he is working through us in a powerful and amazing way. I don't know how it's all going to turn out, but when I see the things that are happening globally, when I see what's happening in people's diocese, when I hear the stories of local church planters, when I see what happened, is happening even in the local church that I'm helping to plant outside of Atlanta, I say, God is working through this. Looking at all of you who are gathered in this place, so many of you never thinking that you would be at a church planting conference, I see the miraculous work of God and so, friends, I hope that over the next few days, you're inspired and you're encouraged. And, and yeah, sometimes you're going to get frustrated. But bring that frustration here, too, and go, we just can't figure this out. And why is this so frustrating? This is a place where you can do that. Because I want you to see that you're a part of a greater whole. You're a part of a family, you're a part of a movement, you're a part of a historic tradition. There are bishops here that are supporting you and loving you, and we thank you for being here. Um, this, these are your people, and you are a part of a movement, and we're learning it together. And so I just want you to keep a big perspective as you go through this, these couple of days and your church planting work, that yes, you are, you are planting in an uncertain time. And there's not money from your diocese usually to help you out a lot. And there's not a lot of programs to help really support you. We're trying to change that, but we're, and we're working on it, and we're moving that direction. But, but what I want you to see is that you are not only planting a church, but you are planting a movement. And that the churches that you are planting now are going to lead to more and more churches that we will never see the entire fruit of what is happening, uh, that, what is God is doing through our midst through us in our midst. But God is moving, and he's moving through you, and he's calling you to be a part of it. And so, friends, be encouraged this week, be equipped this week, be challenged this week. And remember, no matter what else you forget, don't forget that you are never, ever alone as you go through this work as an Anglican church planter. Pray with me. Lord, we repent of any of any idols, of anything that we are pursuing besides You and Your glory, in Your pure church. We repent if we even unknowingly have come here with um, with our own glory in mind, and we long for Your Spirit, Lord. We long for you to send your healing Holy Spirit upon us. We long for you to send the power of your Holy Spirit upon us. That we can be, that we can be encouraged not just, not just with some sort of inspiring message, but with your very presence. That we can truly believe your words, that your church is going to proclaim the gospel to the heavenly realms. Lord, for those who have come here weak and tired and afraid, strengthen their arms, Lord. Strengthen their hearts. Let them know how much they are loved and appreciated by all of us here and by you. For those who are coming here with excitement and joy and ready to go after it, Lord, bless them in that and keep up that passion and that fire. And Lord, bring to that zeal knowledge and wisdom. And Lord, for those who are here going, I don't know why I'm here. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you're doing. Lord, make, make your will clear to them. But we pray, Lord, in this room, in Anglicanism, in our local churches, in the world, in your church everywhere, for revival. We pray that your church will awaken. We pray that the word of the Lord will shake the hearts of those who are asleep and who are dying, and that there will be a revival. And I pray, Lord, that you will anoint each and every one of us in our church planting work to be a part of that great work of your redemptive spirit. Lord, bless these next few days. Do your miraculous work in our midst, all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit us at always-forward.com. And be sure to check out the Always Forward podcast on iTunes with new episodes coming this fall.